have a vision for your business. Your priority might be to expand facilities or bring in the best talent. At Century Insurance, we listen, learn, and work to understand your business and your plans to help protect your new locations. As your business evolves and your vision comes true, Century, right by you. Property and casualty coverages and render written and safety services are provided by a member of the Century Insurance Group, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. For a complete listing of companies, visit Century.com. Policies, coverages, benefits, and discounts are not available on all states. See policy for complete coverage details. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Road to World Football Show. I am Patrick Darney, joined as always this Thursday by Kyle Dvorak, Denny Carter, Patrick Crane. We're going to break down all of Week 14's games, which for some reason features six buys. Uh, a lot of these, some of the teams on buy have already been eliminated from the playoffs, so not really sure what purpose this serves. But we're going to talk about the 24 teams that are playing after Thursday night. Uh, hopefully, we've got a barn burner between Baker Mayfield and the uh, Las Vegas Raiders on Jeff Bezos's Amazon football variety hour. <laughs> but uh, speaking of variety hours, for Denny on a different podcast that he's on, apparently did a Christmas song draft. Yeah. And Denny, first off, uh, no Zoomer has ever heard of Fog Hat. And <laughs> no Boomer even knew that Fog Hat had a Christmas song. Uh, and, how and could you have a Fog Hat Christmas song end up on your So list? really, I was, I was trying to be as big a snob as possible by putting the Fog Hat Christmas song, which is excellent. Okay, everybody should check that out either during this podcast or right after. Uh, I was trying to put that, I was trying to bring that to people's attention. You know, it deserves to be highlighted. So I took it in order to catapult it into its proper recognition. And I, and I, I make no apologies for that. Wow. Uh, Crane and uh, Kyle, you you don't seem quite as into music as maybe Denny and I are. Do you guys know the, the, the huge fog hat hit one of the most iconic classic rock songs by any chance? I know the name. What 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 was their big hit? Slow ride. Oh yeah, I'm basically covered that song. So really, I just yeah. Oh wow. We used to do Zoomers and such know that from um, Guitar Hero. We know a lot of classic oh, rock. That one you know song. it from. Okay, millennials I mean, know my it dad from. indoctrinated me into classic rock, so I do have a bit of domain knowledge there. But people of my generation know one song from almost every famous like '80s ish rock band because you know Guitar Hero would take one song or two maybe from every famous rock band. So we know the five buttons on a guitar, the standard five <laughs> buttons of guitar you press during every one of those songs. Wait, Slow Ride has sold uh, a huge amount of used cars, man. I, that's, this, that's the ultimate used car song, I think. What was the movie from the 90s that had Slow Ride in it? It's a movie about the 70s, uh, uh, the guys, the football d- Dazed and confused. Dazed and confused. That's where millennials know "Slow Ride" from, and so that we covered it because it was sort of nostalgic for not for the time the song is actually from, but from like watching <laughs> "Dazed and Confused" in high school and stuff. So, but the thing about "Slow Ride" is no one wants to hear that when you go to "Slow Ride" and then you go back to the verse, everyone's <laughs> bummed out. They're like, oh, there's more. There's yeah. more to this song. <laughs> They're like oh, pressing the fast forward button on their phone. Skip, skip. Come on, skip. 
Well, the, really, the what, what folks don't maybe don't realize is that the radio version is cut way short of the of the studio. The studio version is nine minutes long. I say it's like eight or nine minutes long. I think, and well, yeah, I'm not really sure. You know, Bob Dylan can maybe get away with nine verses. I'm not really sure. Slow Ride can, <laughs> can get away with nine one. Verses. Yeah. <laughs> it starts on a chorus. So the first verse, you're like too many verses. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe I, I Desolation also, Road. But I'm not sure about Slow Ride. I, I wanted to also just mention that I, I drafted in this Christmas song draft. I did. I, I took the uh, the Bowie Bing Crosby um, "Peace on Earth" little drummer boy song. Okay, obviously the best iconic YouTube video song. Um, and and also um, the uh, Lou Rawls song called "Christmas Is." I, I recommend people uh, check out these songs that are actually good. The, the difference between the songs I drafted and other Christmas songs is that the ones I drafted are good. The only Christmas music that matters, because really the only Christmas music that matters is the Christmas music that you're nostalgic for. And my family listened to a lot of Mannheim Steamroller. Oh, you They threw down on the synths. They threw down. Dude, Mannheim Steamroller is the actual worst. What? I thought you were saying the actual goat. No, the actual worst. I'm sorry. It's like truly abysmal. No, it's the best Muzak. It is. I'll admit it's Muzak, but it's the best Muzak ever made. Oh, you know what else is terrible? Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Just horrific. It is. It is. Horrific. I went went to a concert when I was like 18. Literally, me and my friends fell asleep during the concert. It's the most boring music possible. Wow. So uh, this whole conversation is just giving me low key stress for I'm realizing like I'm going to I'm about to hear all I want for Christmas is you like a thousand times over the yeah. next three weeks. Yeah. So that's you can even I mean, to me, it's like, is that even a Christmas song? I, mean, I know there's some bells yes. in it, but all I, mean, all I want for what is all like, I want it doesn't for sound like a Christmas song is what I'm saying. Like, uh, <laughs> just they throw in some it's like a normal pop song and they like put some bells on it. That's fair. I get what you're saying is that it like you could replace the word Christmas with like my birthday and it would yeah. sound different. But the bells, the bells are iconically. The Christmas. hook is literally all I want for Christmas. I mean, you. you say tomato, I say tomato. <laughs> uh, and you say Minnesota Vikings. I say Detroit Lions. Everyone's favorite five and seven team. The Lions host the ten and two Vikings as surprising home favorites. Patrick Rain. Detroit may be the most fascinating team in fantasy right now, but let's begin with DeAndre Swift. Denny and I declared him back earlier this week. Were we correct? Well, uh, you want to talk about correct? How about saying upside of fifty percent snap share on this podcast last week, and then he had fifty one percent snap share. So. There you go. That was uh, a decent call that, you know, whatever, overly specific, didn't really help anyone, (laughs) whatever. Uh, (laughs) I I think now, is he back? No, he's not back. 51% snap share is not good. Not good snap share. Hold on, if 60% is good, how is 51% not good? 61% isn't good. 60% is acceptable. 60% is the acceptable threshold, but that doesn't make like 51 totally unacceptable in my opinion. It's not good. It, we can't good. say he's back. It's okay. it's better than what we've been dealing with. But that's we're so broken by this DeAndre Swift experience. <laughs> we're going fifty one percent. He's he's back. He is now. He, he's not back, but he does have a chance to be back. I think at this point we could see an, a further increase of snap share. Uh, Justin Jackson still around twenty percent of snaps last Ugh, week. So get him maybe we get get him out of there. Get him off the field. He still wasn't off the field. Jamal Williams was two drops, 100%. by the way, Justin Jackson. Like, I don't know what purpose this is. I, it's crazy. Uh, so if we get Justin Jackson moving down to, you know, 10% or below and Jamal Williams stays around 30, then we could get 
DeAndre Swift to 60% or above, and then we're talking. Now, I think he was back on the injury report this week, so none of this is going to happen. He was. Instead, yeah. he's going to be it back hurt, at 40%. It me. It's <laughs> we're all I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. Like, 50% is good. We're in the right direction, but we want to get we want to get there. We want to pour gasoline on the fire. And instead, you know Dan Campbell sees him as lim- – you know, he limits him in practice first day. He's like, we're, we're peaking. This is it. We're never going higher. Like – you just feel the desperation of the situation already. It's just a little rep management after 18 touches for the first time since week one. He's not hurt, right? Rep Please. Management. I mean, Please rep management has hurt. been his whole season. I was going to say, the rep management will continue to Sunday. Are you calling him a top 20 running back? I mean, I am. Yeah. No. What? what? Are you kidding? Come on. Come on, man. Come on, Craig. I, I, haven't, I haven't dug around in the running back 18. <laughs> who are you? Who are, give me some names. Well, the game a, running back is real. Yeah, we usually play the game well, we'll on do, Tuesday. How about how about uh, Swift or Fournette, Crane? I'd do Swift. Yeah. All right. Thanks. So God. maybe okay. it's top twenty for me. Hold it's on, just, it's gross. Uh, I have my rankings open. Uh, I'm not scrambling to try to find He's them. Rain. We play this game every Tuesday on the ranking show, literally, because I usually do my rankings Tuesday after the show or Wednesday early morning. <laughs> so they like, you know, they toy with me to try and figure out if like I can back my takes with my like back my I would never rank so and so as an RB2. Yeah. And then they name their RB2s and I look like an idiot. Well, so yeah. uh, <laughs> now you get that experience, though. Congratulations. Yeah. Go ahead. So, go DeAndre ahead. Swift or Miles Sanders, quote unquote. I would go Sanders. Oh, man, oh, yeah. man. DeAndre Swift or Najee Harris? I would go Swift. All right. We're getting we're Najee Harris, or excuse me, the last one. DeAndre Swift or the GOAT Isaiah Pacheco. I'd go Swift. See? He's an RB2, folks. There's yeah, six right, teams on by. I don't know if you heard this. He's touchdown dependent, though, don't you think? I mean, it, it's just hard for him to do anything unless he. Wait, I do think one reason why I think the 51% snap share is because like he really is getting like every third down, like, well, let's throw to DeAndre Swift. Like he had a season high in receiving yards even last week. He they left him in like the moment I was back, like it was like transcendental meditation, like euphoria, was when he went down to the one yard line and instead of like taking him off the field, they went hurry up and let him carry the ball. That was cool. <laughs> you ascended to the astral plane at that moment. I did. I did. <laughs> Um, that's how I knew. I, I would love video of that. I'm just right. I'm leaving. I'll just be honest. I saw God. I saw God. <laughs> and, um, so, and he uh, told teams, me he's back. By the way, teams have targeted running backs at a pretty high rate against the Vikings. The Vikings have given up the fifth most running back reception. So it's happening, folks. Swift is happening. This is a great game environment. So you have that going for you. Really, really good game environment, which is one of the reasons why Denny, for some reason, pumped up DJ Shark on the waiver show. It's been three days, Denny. Do you stand by the DJ Shark love? It helps if there are six teams on by. I know you want nothing more uh, than for me to pull back here and to say, no, I'm, I'm out on DJ Shark. But first of all, I was on DJ Shark last, on last Thursday, and look what happened. He had a fine game. Like a, a, a wide receiver three game. And what, what else can you ask for from DJ Shark? But yeah, last week... Uh, Chark had 108 air yards uh, leading the Lions against the Jaguars that accounted for 45% of the team's air yards, averaged at the target of 18. So it's the same old DJ Chark sort of thing. Saw six targets that was second on the team behind St. Brown. Um, You know, hey, look, the Vikings are a pass funnel, like one of the most extreme pass funnels in the league. Uh, They've been gouged by outside receivers all season. Uh, Chark ran about 86% of his routes last week from the boundary. So I, I'm not saying St. Brown, St. Brown is going to be, you know, face anything difficult here. He's still going to see 12, 15 uh, targets, but, but Char, I think Chark's in a really good spot. And like, like Crane said, great game environment. 
the Lions have like such a weird amount of outside receivers now for like being a team that doesn't really throw deep that much. They got Josh Reynolds, Jamison Williams, DJ Shark, but DJ Shark does seem to be leading. Um, Josh Reynolds' agent thanks you for throwing him in the conversation. He does. Yeah, I mean, he is still yeah. on the Lions. Um, Josh Reynolds, I believe he had three catches for 19 yards last Sunday. Kyle, we're talking about another Lion. Oh, wait, he's been traded. TJ Hawkinson. Oh. Uh, the worst. <laughs> we got we to gotta get that out of the pod. Now I just made myself <laughs> laugh, and I'm going to go into a coughing fit with my virus. Um, well, you mute yourself. I'll take over talking yeah, about TJ yeah. Hawkinson. He hasn't uh, bettered 43 yards in three straight yeah. weeks. Were we too quick to crown him? in his new home. I don't think so. Cause his peripherals have not changed over that past three weeks, a 21% target share, a third of the team's looks in the red zone, 85% of the team snaps. And I believe that three week stretch of admittedly like very unexciting games starts when they got bludgeoned by Dallas. So 85% of the team snaps and strong target share metrics include uh, a game where they didn't even finish out with their starters. The lions also give up the most fantasy points to inline tight ends where hot gets most of his reps. No concerns. This looks like a great spot, frankly. I'm going to have the slow ride chorus in my head for like the next seven. I have Dude, I'm, I'm me too. <laughs> I'm singing in my head right now. I am yeah. too. I've been, and I didn't even realize I was singing in my head. It was like <laughs> just sort of in the background on the very low volume. <laughs> That's an all time banger. Do we have anything to say about Jameson Williams? He played what, like five snaps? Uh, just nothing doing for redraft this year. So for Jameson Williams, correct? That's yeah. Right. I, I just, I would note that I think this is like, a very good game environment where like there's I I think it is the type of game where you you're comfortable rolling out a pure piece like DJ Shark or Hawkinson or whatever because there's like a, a couple different ways where this game can get there the Lions against the Jacks against the Jacksonville Jaguars had a 12% pass rate of expected 15% on first and 10 the Lions have generally been a run first team this year the Jaguars have a terrible pass defense but like to attack them like that shows a lot of confidence in their passing game, I feel like the the Lions can get pushed by the Vikings here. They have a bad defense. The Vikings have been pass first. But like Denny said, the Vikings have been a pass funnel, and the Lions have been attacking pass funnels all of a sudden. Man, the Jags looked just utterly horrific, their defense, last week. Might as well have not even been on the field. The fading New York Giants host the Screaming Eagles, Denny, as touchdown home underdogs. What is going on here other than Darius Slayton cooking the fantasy books didn't see this game. I know he got his 58 yards, but I heard he might have had a, a drop or two. Yeah, I mean, the the dot that I saw I had a pretty bad uh, drop uh, last week against the Commanders. Um, but yeah, uh, so I'll, I'll just get through this as fast as possible because this is such an ugly, ugly game for fantasy. Obviously, you're starting all your Eagles. Um, a horrible passing spot for Daniel Jones against a tough Philadelphia secondary. He could get there with rushing. He said, questioning question mark. Uh, but I think I believe the Eagles, they do allow the fewest quarterback fantasy points. He it's it is a very ugly spot. But he so Daniel Jones has accounted for 30% of the Giants rushing attempts since week 10. Last what? week he had he had 12 rushes against the commanders. Yeah, yeah, you heard that right. Yikes. What are they doing? I mean, I um, guess they don't have any receivers, but yeah, right. And then Slayton is the only wide receiver. You're playing with any confidence. Uh 23% of the team's targets and 40% of the team's air yards. Uh, I should say very limited air yards since week five. Uh, the Eagles are a run funnel. I will say that. Okay. Like teams have really leaned toward the run. Uh, so I would suspect that Brian Dable and the Giants would like to establish it. I don't know if that's really going to happen here. Also with run stuffer Jordan Davis back in week 13, uh, 
against the Titans. The Eagles allowed the league's lowest rush EPA. I'm getting back in the trenches, guys. Well, say Denny. I say Denny's heard of a run stuffer. Big deal. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm first and foremost. I watch offensive and defensive line. I think Kyle must have texted you this while you were speaking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he did. He's feeding. I have an earpiece. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also uh, Saquon Barkley's not really seeing enough target volume to stay uh, super relevant if game script turns sour here. So I'm. A little worried, but obviously you're starting him. Miles Sanders, just real quick, and I'll be done. Miles Sanders, Giants allow the 12th highest rate of positive, uh, I'm sorry, positive rush plays, and 40% of the yardage gained against the Giants this season has come on the ground. That's the 10th highest rate in the league. Of course, Miles Sanders is averaging about 19 fantasy points with a touchdown, with at least one touchdown this season. He's averaging seven fantasy points without a touchdown, so he's super touchdown dependent. Uh Saquon Barkley is only averaging 2.8 yards for carry over his past three games. There's only one 10 yard plus carry in that stretch. Seems to be breaking down a little bit. The Giants, I believe, allow over five yards per carry. Crane seemed like he wanted to say something. Well, all the guy does is either rip long runs or run into the line. So I, I think it's a little unfair to say he's breaking down. I mean, he's no, 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 breaking. No, no, no. Did I say that? I mean, he's just he's a little tired. T- tired. Uh, that sounds like you rephrasing the same thing you just yeah. said, but in a way that tired. doesn't sound as bad. Do, do you mean Walker. tired from life? Because he's old. That's well, he, he <laughs> is very old. He's for running back. He's elderly. So I think ride it out with with Barkley is kind of the boom bus guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. The the uh, oh Pat, I wanted to set you up for stat of the week because <laughs> normally I do stat of the week, but uh, I checked your Twitter feed and I did not see a tweet that I expected to see. So I want to set you up here for stat of the week. Well, I mean, Darius Slayton, of course, blowing by 58 yards again in week 13, something he has now done in seven straight contests, I believe. No, six. And Jalen Waddell, of course, did not reach 58 yards last week where he injured his fibula. A very weird injury. So Darius Slayton is now the one true 58-yard king. Again, even (laughs) though he, I heard, had some horrific drops (laughs) in week 13 and was, quote, tilting Giants fans out of their gourds. But uh, he's 58 yards. Like, you can... The sun rises and Darius Slayton gets 58 yards every week, at least. <laughs> so, yep, stat of the week, go. stat of the century, to Lock be honest. Uh, Lock it in. Uh, Kyle, for the second year in a row, a scuffling Ravens team has lost Lamar Jackson at the most important moment of the season. Set the scene for the road tripping Ravens in Pittsburgh. And then take us through what exactly is going on with the Steelers receivers. Yeah, the Steelers receivers, uh, the problem is Kenny Pickett is not good at least not right now. Maybe it will be later, but has not been good this year. Four and touchdowns and eight interceptions. Yeah, that's a low number of one of those and too many of the other one. So, uh, I mean, since the, the Chase Claypool trade, we haven't even gotten this like boon in production from anyone. Deontay leads the team's wide receivers as the wide receiver 48 since then. George Pickens mm-hmm. isn't far behind them behind him Deontay Johnson's efficiency in terms of yards per target is up from where it was to start the year. And it's at like six points something in the past few weeks. So it's like the regression is happening and he's regressing to still being a useless fantasy player. Pickens doesn't see enough of the ball. Pat Fryermuth, on the other hand, since the Clay, Chase Claypool trade, has actually kind of come to life. A 24% target share, a 28% air yard share. He's like top. You could call him a top five tight end. Tight end is not a great position. It doesn't Do you want to hear a Darius Slayton stat on Pat Fryermuth? <laughs> Has bettered 57 yards receiving in four of his past six games. Oh <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> now, is, is that cherry picked? Is, is there a reason you chose that yardage number? Yeah, it's 57. Yeah. Oh, sure no. I mean, it's normally, if I notice a weird stat like this, it's like, wow, Pat Fryer has actually been surprisingly consistent. And, you know, it's never, it's never just like 60. 
Cause yeah. like, like 58, <laughs> like, so I'm not trying to put it out there. Like it's a, uh, it's, it's just interesting folks. It's interesting. It was fascinating. In fact, and Kyle, on the side, I, I, go, ahead, go ahead. I don't know that that's far enough. Like who's, who's the tight end three. If it's not fire Hawkinson. Yeah, I, I think Hawk, I like Hawkinson, Hawkinson this week. I'd take him. We crowned him too quickly, Hawkinson. No, no, no. no it's no a great spot. He's going to go crazy. Yeah, the thing is Hawkinson I, plays I, for I, Sorry, I don't mean this week. I mean like going oh. forward. I still, To me, it's still Hawkinson. Hawkinson it's plays Hawkinson. for a good team that throws the ball well, and Friermuth doesn't. His team's bad, and they don't do He's that. He's the number one receiver on his team. He is the number one receiver on his team. I think that's – I mean, that's the reason it's a conversation. I kind of agree. It's it's You choose your own adventure with these like non-Travis Kelsey tight ends, so – I don't have like a strong argument against it. His volume is really good. Like you said, he, he's arguably the number one receiver. Other side of the ball, as you know, Tyler Huntley is stepping in. He stepped in four games last year, averaged 9.5 rush attempts. Not a bad streaming option, though I, I really struggle to see how this team moves the ball efficiently through the air. They were struggling to do so under Lamar Jackson since they lost Rashad Bateman. The only upside is in six Huntley appearances, because he's played on at least 80% of the snaps six times in the past year and a half an eight catch 92 and 0.5 touchdown receiving line average. So you're still firing him up. He's still a tight end too. Yeah. He does what backup quarterback should do, which is lock on yeah. their best pass catcher. He, Tyler Huntley definitely got the memo there and he's not like the kind of dual threat that's going to win a week single-handedly the way Lamar Jackson does, but he is also a legitimate dual threat. He's the one who yeah. won't lose you the week because he gets two and a half points and gets benched, right? He's getting like 30 on the ground. Probably he's like Daniel Jonesian in that way. Yeah. That's a, that's a good way to put it. The National Broadcasting Corporation is proud to bring you Dolphins Chargers this Sunday evening at 8.20 p.m. Eastern. Danny, there's a lot going on with both these teams, but let's start with the Chargers. Is it time to give up hope of a passing game breakout? I mean, you know, does it count if the if they're just, like, getting there on massive, crazy volume? I mean, because... No. You know, it, it's it's not efficient and it's not pretty, but uh, Justin Herbert over his three uh, past three games has uh, 280, 275, and 335 yards. Uh, of course, this is with him dropping back like 50-plus times, but we'll take it, I think. You know, the, the Chargers have been over their expected pass rate in six of their past seven games. Um, they're playing against a, a pass-funnel Miami defense here. I think Herbert is almost guaranteed to drop back mm-hmm. 40 times here. The, the problem, of course, and yeah, this is the, the breakout part that you're talking about, is that uh, Herbert is 26th among quarterbacks in average depth of target. That's right around. Man, they've made him Oregon Herbert. Yeah, I did, that, right, well, his receivers have had a, a role in that or his lack. They have, of, but I mean. Yeah, I definitely think like you can still scheme, even if they're not high, like throwing to Mike Williams is a higher probability target than throwing to DeAndre Carter when it's 15 yards downfield. But you should frankly still be trying with how it's going. The upside here is that Mike Williams back to back, it looks like limited sessions. Like they should be getting him back. I don't want to jump the gun, but it's a good start to the week for him. But Justin Herbert has averaged under six yards per attempt in five of his past seven starts. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's ugly. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I mean, I I feel pretty good. This is a really good environment. Like uh, I have no issues with with starting Herbert or or Keenan Allen or Mike Williams if he plays. Mike, Mike Williams, we we, we we want you back, Mike. I mean, uh, you just have to hope that he doesn't make a diving catch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Immediately the, breaks we, his We back. give the, the Chargers coaches a lot of grief, I think rightfully so. But I mean... Oh, are you shifting blame to the player? I'm the, shifting blame, I'm shifting blame to the front on him? office. Oh, damn it. To the front office. If Mike Williams, a f- totally fine NFL receiver, goes out and it's a, it's over... Like right. how is how is there not additional weapons in this offense? You've known for years now that Herbert's the guy you got to build around. Build around him. 
Yeah, they were kind of like the Chiefs for you know, last year. I think it was a narrative. I think a correct narrative where the Chiefs had the two elite weapons and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, but badly needed that third weapon. Their offense was just discombobulated all year. I thought the Chargers were that offense this year, and they didn't do it. And Josh Palmer and DeAndre Carter get nine targets a game now. Yeah, they were in like a draft CD Lamb, even though you have Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup situation, and they did not do the thing in draft CD Lamb. And now they're being punished for it. They are being Mm -hmm. punished for it. Uh, Crane, uh, we were all punished for having faith in Jeff Wilson last week. Uh, He had one one touch against the San Francisco 49ers. What happened in the Dolphins' backfield? Was it a game script aberration? Will they bounce back? Uh, Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert against the Chargers, awful run defense. Well, this was the second time that you saw enlightenment. Uh, I know, I know. I almost went with the exact same line. Uh, I'm just, yeah, I'm I, mean, assume, a, I have a virus fever right now. I'm just going to assume. Um. <laughs> uh, I mean, what happened? It was. I, I think is a little crazy. Like Raheem Mostert, 61 percent of snaps. Jeff Wilson, 37 percent, just one carry. Uh, so the thing that's tough about this normally i would be like okay i guess it's i guess it's mostert like i'm not going to ignore that they gave mostert uh like a 60 40 split here a little more but like i think mcdaniel is sharp and wilson's been way better than mostert this season he's running back six and rush yards are expected for attempt running back 18 in success rate mostert ranks running back 43 in both of those metrics he's been real real bad maybe it was like related to the matchup somehow i I think it's going to be a split. I think, you know, last week's uh, usage showed us that. But we should see more rushing attempts against a weak Chargers run defense this week. So you're you're not going to get one carry for either of these guys. And if Challenge it's a accepted, split, by the way. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. If it's a split, you want Wilson, I think. He's just been so much better. I agree with that take. And I, I don't know, maybe Jeff Wilson, you know, left the game a few weeks ago. I don't think he was on the injury report last week. Maybe he's still a little banged up. Maybe they just still trust Raheem Mostert more as the passing down back and they were in trail mode basically the entire 60 minutes against the 49ers not like hugely uh but they were behind most of that game and it is weird to be like oh yeah just gonna ignore the guy getting one carry and rank him as an rb2 again but i think that pretty much is what we have to do Uh, kyle that's what you gotta do Kyle, what is the state of the Dolphins' receiver core? Jalen Waddell, again, listed with a fibula injury. Does that mean like a deep bruise or something? That was my guess, right? Because obviously, like, it's not a break or a bad fracture, but they do specify that it's the bone. So my guess I've never seen that before. (laughs) Yeah, right. I was, like, very confused by that, too. And the fact that they didn't, they were listening just leg. Like, yeah, it's generally just like his leg. Up until then, I guess it makes sense now. So that was my like very normie guess was like, I guess he's just like very bruised, but he was limited in practice to start the week. He looks fine as far as a player dealing with a uh, classic fibula injury can be <laughs> i mean in the it's been kind of tough sledding over the past few weeks just really haven't gotten massive i mean last week obviously was very rough he had like one catch on five targets we left that game so you can somewhat excuse it but over the past three weeks when he's been quote struggling still has a 30 percent air yard share a 21 percent target share he's been frankly underperforming he is the fifth worst receiver in fantasy points over expectation over the past three weeks but his role indicates that he's still like a very solid second option for this team. And that's with, I believe that was with them blowing out the Texans a few weeks ago. And then he missed a bunch of snaps last week. He was ruled questionable and came back. So he's missing time and his role still looks pretty solid. So I'm not concerned. If anything, this looks like a pretty strong bounce back spot for a player who we were kind of counting on boom games consistently early in the season. I don't want to write these past three weeks off as a complete aberration, but I I do think they're less of the norm than should be expected. 
Yeah, before he got injured last week. I mean, again, I'm just it's just what the lowest number from the sample size was. That's why he went for it. He had cleared 66 yards in six straight games. So he had been providing a pretty nice fantasy floor, Mr. Jalen Waddell. And I, ceiling's got to be there. The Chargers, man, what a dispiriting team the Chargers are. You know, something I, I didn't realize about uh, Waddle until I guess last week or the week before is that he's only running like 23% of his routes from the slot. Like I, I didn't realize that I, I realized that they had shifted him out of the full-time slot role, but like he's almost full-time outside receiver role. That's I think that's affected him in not, not such a great way. Tyreek Hill is running way more slot routes. Uh, Trent Sherfield is running a lot of slot routes. So I, I, he, the easy stuff is not, is not there for him as it was last year. Yeah, it does all. look like they've like early in the season. It was like one A, one B, maybe between him and I think they've like clearly and understandably settled on Tyreek Hill as like their best receiver. He is the guy we scheme stuff to, including that slot work. And uh, Waddle is still good and still gets a lot of work, but he's not the guy who like every game plan is designed to get him the ball as much. Yeah, not at all tilted by Trent Sherfield scoring a seventy-five yard <laughs> touchdown. On I'm not either because you know what? Uh, I looked up who's running the most slot routes for the Dolphins because I wanted to see if I could get some DFS exposure. Oh, okay. the, the answer was Mike Gesicki. He leads the team in slot routes. So he doesn't I even said, play like half the snaps. That's insane. Like every snap he takes, is right? Running the right. Slot. So I thought, oh, well, this is this is sneaky. I put him in a couple, and then Sherfield catches a 75-yard touchdown that start the game. I've seen better applications of the franchise tag than Mike Jacek. Yeah, uh, well, you see, the tight end franchise tag is actually kind of cheap, right? So when you're playing him 20 snaps a game, it's really worth it. Yeah, I, I've seen better applications of the tight end. That's all I'll say. Uh, Patrick Crane, you good? You good, folks? Uh, good. Just reset the router. Well, just reset pretty, the router because cool. now you're going to need to set the scene for Patriots Cardinals mired in identity crisis. The Pats arrive in Arizona as one and a half point road favorites. Neither one of these teams seem to know what to do with their pa- their passing attacks. Patrick, take us through it. Yeah, so uh, Kyler Murray has been legitimately bad this season. Um, I think that's that's fair to say. Twenty third in EPA per play, twenty sixth. In CPOE now gets a Patriots defense that's pretty good against the pass. They rank fourth in EPA allowed per dropback, second in dropback success rate allowed. Uh, they're also pretty good against the run, though. They rank eighth in EPA allowed per rush. So I think, you know, we're probably going to see the Cardinals lean on the run a bit here, but it's unlikely that James Conner is going to be able to carry the offense in any real way. Uh, running back 31 in rush yards over attempt is Conner. So Kind of, I think looking at a, probably an inefficient day for the Cardinals overall. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be dealing with t- double teams most likely. That's certainly the way the Patriots handled Justin Jefferson when they played him recently. Um, but I mean, he's got a thirty-one percent target share, so you're you're powering through that. Marquise Brown, I think, is somewhat interesting. He had ninety-seven percent route participation before the bye. Uh, he's it looks like going to be the clear number two. I think Rondell Moore. Uh, we don't have we're, we're not sure about him yet, but Seems like he's maybe not fully healthy. He wasn't practicing yet. Greg Dortch has been back practicing too. Yeah, they um, they play what Monday, right? So their Wednesday practice doesn't get any actual tags for it. But Rondale wasn't spotted out there. Dortch was, so I I would guess it goes that way. It's always Greg Dortch season. Yeah, so I think it it might at least be condensed, you know, to Brown and Hopkins. Uh, Trey McBride's not been able to earn any targets whatsoever, even though he's out there all the time. So. I think you can kind of play, play your big three skill players here in Connor, Hopkins, and Brown. On the Patriots side, uh, we've got mispractices for Jacoby Myers and Damian Harris today. 
Ramondre Stevenson looks like an absolute smash. He played 98% of the snaps against the Bills. He ran around on 87% of dropbacks. That's the second highest route rate for any running back in any game all season. Only Christian McCaffrey has had a higher route rate than Ramondre Stevenson last week. The Cardinals are a pass funnel. That's actually good news for Ramondre Stevenson. They don't have any wide receivers that you're interested in. We just just dump it down to Ramondre every play. That's all we want. I will say about Ramondre, look, I'm not complaining. Okay, oh, whatever I'm oh, doing here, I'm not complaining. Like a, I don't like the setup. This no, seems no, like a setup for complaining. I'm not yeah. complaining. All I would say is I would love it if Ramondre Stevenson could gain more than three yards on a reception. Oh, that, no. would, that would be cool. I, I would love to see it. No. Hey, look, you just wait till they're down 14 in the fourth quarter. You'll get it. That's yeah, <laughs> not what he does, Denny. I uh, mean, you, you get 12 targets and he's a 32 receiving oh, target. Oh, a true PPR scam artist isn't going to – he's no wasted energy, no wasted motion. Oh, he just knows it's about the catch. Get the Let catch, the man go play down. his game. <laughs> get the catch, go down. That's a point. doesn't matter the yards. Just don't worry about that. Get the point. Get the point. Get the point. Yeah. Uh, Reminder understands the game. The New York Jets, who beat the Buffalo Bills in Week 9, now rematched with Buffalo and Buffalo. They are 10-point underdogs, despite their recent revival under Mr. Michael White. Kyle, game script has necessitated two entirely different game plans through the first two Mike White starts. Take us through the state of the Jets for this big, uh, big, big road underdogs. Yeah, I mean, the Jets are just an infinitely better offense, even if like I, I don't think they're going to win a ton of games under Mike White. Right. But they are an infinitely better fantasy offense and, in fact, a real life offense under Mike White. They also have a neutral pass rate over expected over the past two weeks, like negative one. It's basically zero, which they were attempting to be a run first team under Zach Wilson, which is not good, especially when you have extremely talented receivers, at least one and a good you back up a good wide receiver two three cast as well so it works out perfectly for them because mike white has a, a middling not useless but middling seven eight on so it's lots of high ppr stuff they play faster under mike white they throw at a higher pass rate over expected and then of course garrett wilson when the offense is finally cooking garrett wilson is just on another level he leads yeah. the nfl in air yards yards and red zone targets in the past oh. two weeks he is third in total targets i believe he's like the wide receiver three as well he is like a true alpha stud and this offense is putting more than enough yards on the board they're averaging and i mean it's two games right but the past two games they're averaging like 470 total yards of offense and that's a ton of that is going to garrett wilson so he's like i haven't ranked i think you could rank him as high as like six like the second tier of like the non-justin wow. jefferson type players because after that you know you can split ties between those guys but six is probably where i'd say you'd cap out at ranking him i think i have him like seven or eight he's awesome man anything about so, zonovan zon or you go pat we'll, talk well about i just want to point out that you know we talk about ppr scams and everything i would like to just point out mike white's dot scam which is to overthrow garrett wilson downfield <laughs> on what yeah. could be touchdowns just to get that dot up don't hit the throw just get that dot up that's all he's doing. Again, That's this, he's these players are a lot savvier than you think. And, and you know, Mike White has definitely heard of ADOT. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. definitely heard. I actually think he might have. <laughs> Something he knows about. Kyle, can we trust – is Donovan Knight the, the Jets back to play if we have to play one? Again, they're 10-point road underdogs. Not usually when you would attack a committee backfield, but if you're playing a Jets back, is it Donovan White? Michael Carter's off the injury report. 
Yeah, Carter's off the injury report, but all the beats and the performance on the field have, have kind of confirmed that Zonovan Knight is the starting back. I think you would be rightfully concerned that Carter comes in and takes potentially a pass-catching role, but I think Knight has earned the job as the starter. And on this offense, even if they're losing, which obviously Vegas expects them to lose, they'll play fast, they'll pass a lot, there's checkdowns, lots of total yards in mass. I think you're fine to start Knight. Like It's, of course, risky to start a 10-point underdog running yes. back. But if I was picking between like him and whenever like the Broncos are 10 point underdogs, I'll take players on this offense, you know, 10 times out of 10. This is a good, bad offense, not a bad, bad offense. Zon of a night is the RB 26. Have that a head of, to me. Have my head of Devin Singletary. I don't know how I feel about that, actually. I'm well, also fine with that. We're going to find out about Devin Singletary here. in just a second for Patrick Crane. We may have seen a changing of the guard in the Bills backfield last week. And Patrick, was it real? Was James Cook out touching soundly out producing out receiving out everything Devin Singletary real or is it a one game blip I think it was probably a one game blip in the context of this week where they played three games in 12 days and in that third game their promising rookie gets a lot more work and Naheem Hines sees his first work of like since the trade so to me, oh, it, it, oh, it, it, it was like three touches, I think. But it was like twenty so, percent no, snaps or something. He was he played the, a lot yeah, of no, snaps, he, but it, he literally had like three touches. I think one it was like two receptions, like negative one yards or something. Or maybe I'm hallucinating. But. Yeah, no, you're back. right. He, he, sure, I meant work in terms of playing time. But he did. He was on the field. I yeah. I don't know why I wasn't trying to like got. Even though I was trying to got you there. <laughs> Uh, I wasn't trying to, to gotcha. It was a fun gotcha. It was a fun little accusation to throw out. Casual. <laughs> now, now I'm going to have a coughing fit. <laughs> you know what? It's, this one serves you right. Okay. It because Because I'm using the Naheem Hines point to make a larger point, which is that we, we might not be able to trust the playing time from that third game. It might be a little bit skewed by the fact that, you know, those games are so tightly bunched. Uh, the snap shares, just for reference, 44% to Singletary, 43% to Cook, and 31% to Hines. That was a season high for Cook. Uh, but, I mean, the the guy looks great. So I'm not trying to downplay that. And I'm not trying to downplay the idea that eventually, you know, he could force like a true split or even force kind of what Rashad White's doing in Tampa Bay, where it's like, the, you know, this game he's playing ahead, then the next game he's kind of playing a little behind and that type of like, yo-yoing type of effect in a split backfield. I think we could be headed there. I'm just not really convinced that we're headed there this week. Um, but, you know, Cook, 2.15 yards per outrun. That's an elite mark. A small sample, but I think he gives them something, I think particularly in the passing game, also a little bit more explosive than Singletary. He's flashed a couple times in rush yards over expected per attempt. RB6 in week 11, RB12 last week. Uh, Singletary's been more successful, though, like higher success rate, more consistent. So uh, in games where they're going with more of like a power run game, I think we'll see both guys, but I, I don't think Singletary is going to go away in any real way. And I probably would have him ahead of a guy like Bam Knight because uh, I think it's sort of similar, like probably somewhat of a split backfield, but you get the Bills offense as opposed to the Jets. The other thing about the Bills is that in two of the last three games, we've seen them shift to power personnel. Uh, through week eight, they had – Three wide receiver sets, 11 personnel on 74% of their plays. Uh, they had that exact same rate against the Jets in week nine. They they were even higher against the Vikings in week 10. But then in week 11 against the Browns, which are a run funnel and a very bad run defense, they dropped their rate of 11 personnel to just 49%. 
they went with a run heavy minus five percent pass rate ever expected they shifted back to the pass against the Lions, shifted back to three wide receiver sets as well but then against the patriots back to that power personnel with uh 11 11 personnel and only 53 percent of their snaps so again to about half from about three-fourths uh, and they dropped to another run first pass rate of expected of minus three percent. They're not exactly the Eagles in terms of their ability to kind of you know shift to the power game, shift to the passing game, but maybe a little bit like what the Dolphins are sometimes doing, where they are taking advantage of plus rushing matchups to keep the defense on its heels a little bit more. This would be one of those matchups. The Jets rank sixth in EPA allowed per dropback, 18th. And EPA allowed per rush. The Bills obviously struggled against them the last time they played. So I think we might get more of this like power run team version mm-hmm. of the Bills. Now they're not, they don't go crazy. They're still like fairly balanced, but like this would not be a spot where I'd be touching Isaiah McKenzie. I think his routes might be limited. Um, and I would be more inclined to go with the Singletary Cook. Like if I was breaking ties between like one of them and Bam Knight, I think I'm going with the Bills running back because I think there might be more touches in the backfield, more opportunity overall than we're used to. My only take on James Cook is that the Bills, they they kind of like the same thing they went through last year where they were like upset about not having a running game. And then down the stretch of the regular season, they really established Devin Singletary to try to have a running game going to the playoffs. I kind of wonder if they're trying to see what they have in James Cook heading into the postseason because they're, they're tired of the horrible pass catching from Devin Singletary. You know, no chunk gains, two things that James Cook has been doing. So I do yeah. sort of wonder if there's like maybe a changing of the guard afoot, but you just made a very, very convincing argument and it's probably not i i hope you're right like i hope that i mean it may it could be one of those things where like maybe they only played cook more because it was a third game in 12 days but then when cook looks awesome Mm -hmm. like does that change anything going forward so i'm still bullish on cook as we move forward into like the fantasy playoffs i think he could be one of those guys but uh this week I, i don't know if i've seen enough to like fully trust it Darn, that's sad. Maybe I have to adjust my rankings, actually. Uh, and I, was, I couldn't think of a good transition. We'll be right back after this. You have a vision for your business. Your priority might be to expand facilities or bring in the best talent. At Century Insurance, we listen, learn, and work to understand your business and your plans to help protect your new locations. As your business evolves and your vision comes true, Century right by you. Property and casualty coverages and underwritten and safety services are provided by a member of the Century Insurance Group, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. For a complete listing of companies, visit Century.com. Policies, coverages, benefits, and discounts are not available in all states. See policy for complete coverage details. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college football, on the PGA Tour, and in the World Cup. There's also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the Dolphins and Chargers in our Sunday Night 7 contest. Download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. i got to be honest, weren't, weren't my best promo reads. But, uh, it wasn't one of the best transitions either, to be honest. No. We, we came off two heaters, frankly. I but know. I think that momentum doesn't actually exist, right? Well, it's just random events. You're human. We've kind of alluded to it. I, I am playing hurt today. Uh, from, I, I believe it's my 90th straight virus I've caught from my kids. And I was joking with Denny. I was like the classic, I haven't been sick in 20 years. Right. And then I, then I had uh, one kid and then I upped it to three kids. <laughs> right. And then it's like a huge accomplishment if I haven't been sick in 20 days. 
Right, 20 days, please. So 24 hours. And I'm like, yeah. oh. <laughs> there, there, oh, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sound great. Yeah. <laughs> Coming off two of week 13's worst performances, the Jaguars and Titans meet up in Nashville. The Titans is four point home favorites. Denny, take us through the game. I don't know. Two pretty boring teams. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but. Uh, I'll say this. Ryan Tannehill is in a pretty good spot. I'm going to just go ahead and mute him. I will not have my mic cut. This is Uh, my First Amendment right. Sorry. Ryan Tannehill in a good spot, even though Traylon Burks probably isn't playing for concussion. Curious. This this is protected speech, but why are you using it on this, man? (laughs) (laughs) It's not up to you, okay? Ryan Tannehill streaming talk is just as important as anything else, okay? Per the Constitution. And and uh, look, the, the Jaguars just horrific in the secondary. I know Traylon yeah. Burks probably won't play this week. I get it. Okay. Um, but Jacksonville gets zero pressure on the passer, uh, has been picked apart of late. Only the Bears have allowed a higher drop back EPA than the Jaguars since week seven. Jacksonville is allowing the 10th highest rate of positive pass plays. So I think Tannehill is live as a, as a streaming option to a 12 team leagues. I'll say that. Okay. Uh, also, Travis Etienne. Ran around on 70% of the team's dropbacks in week 13. Caught three of three targets for not much, but the process, the process, the process. He's out there. He's running routes. That's all we can ask for at the moment. He's going against the Tennessee defense this week, giving up the most receptions to opposing running backs. So he he has that going for him, folks. Uh, you know, if they could check down to him a few more times, that'd be, that'd be pretty awesome. Um, and I wanted to mention... Uh, a sicko tight end play because this oh, yeah. podcast he's not sicko. Not, he's almost a tight end one. Uh, right. This uh, podcast would not be complete without one. Um, so I don't know about his first name, but his last name is Okonkwo. Uh, he's a, the tight end two ish for uh, the Titans at the moment. The kids just call him Chig. It is a shortened version of his longer name. Uh, okay. Which and by kids, you mean the announcers on every NFL broadcast. That's also uh, true. Yeah. The are yeah. pronouncing the full name. Yeah, they are. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. Chig uh, Okonkwo. Uh, I think a, a deeper streamer. He ran a route on a season high. 57% of the team's dropbacks in week 13. Caught four or five targets for 68 yards. Um, look, he only has 81 routes on the season, but I do have to just get this in here because I did just a crazy amount of research on Okonkwo for some reason. I did the exact same thing in the wall. No, no, no. You think like- you guys did research on Chico Okonkwo. He leads all tight ends in yards per reception. He leads all tight ends in yards per hour, and he leads all tight ends in yards per target because he is that dude. Well, what yeah, have no, I told you? He's cleared cool. 30 yards in five oh, straight games. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Hold the phone. Uh, all right. I'm going to have a coughing fit. Yeah. Though. Yards per. <laughs> if, if the Titans would like to use Oconquo over Austin Hooper, one of the least effective tight ends in the NFL, it would be, that would be cool. I think for the that team. would be really cool. Lit, as the kids call it. <laughs> it would be litty. Lit. It would so be it's, lit. It's a. 41 total in this game with two really, really bad pass defenses. I know. Other than that, though, who doesn't um, want to play Chig? But it's it's a good game for sicko plays. I, I, I think I it think is. And I'm saying, I, I think the, the over stands no ch- Like I think the over is falling. No, really? Oh, I, I like the over. These teams can't. I'm saying, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying I like the over. Oh, yeah, um, like, neither one of these teams can defend the pass. Derrick Henry, by the way. Uh, kind of doing the reverse, Derek Henry. He's averaging just 2.77 yards per carry on 75 carries over the past four weeks. Not like the big dog who you know is usually gaining momentum, which is very real at this point of the season. So 
Well, good spot, good spot for the dog to start woofing again. We talked about this pass defense. Maybe we should talk about the running back who leads all running backs in yards per route run. Whew. Noted pass catching specialist Derrick Henry. Great, I mentioned that on Monday's podcast. Does. Yeah, yeah, it's because maybe just throw the guy a screen or two. Can, can we get like with, with Burks out? Maybe we do. Maybe we get five targets, something crazy like that. I, mean, I, I could totally had, see it. Yeah, Henry in back-to-back seasons is having his best season in terms of just targets and catches per game. Like it's not a ton, right? But it's clear that they're at least making some small effort as they have the most depleted. Like especially now with no Traylon Burks, just one of the most depleted receiver rooms. Like we could actually see that. And the fact that Arthur Smith didn't decide to do this when he was with Tennessee shouldn't have been a concern at all. <laughs> uh, I guarantee you with Derrick Henry they're holding that lost fumble against him on one of his receptions while ignoring the fact that the fumble came after he ran 70 yards 70 yards yeah. 70 yards and then they still they still covered it up for a touchdown anyway yeah so, so it worked it? out as someone who's already very in on Traylon Burks did, did you guys see the the video that was going around on Twitter where after he recovered that fumble no I did not Take so he recovers the fumble. He's walking up. I think he still has the ball even. And Vrabel comes up to him and he's he Burke says, My fault. That was my fault. And Vrabel's like, why? He's like, that was my guy who went and and punched uh, it out. Dude, and Vrabel, Vrabel loved that. The dog right? levels he, he loved it. He of was course like, he but did. you it's made up for Vrabel. it. You made up for it. He was so psyched. Was, I love that. And I'm not even a football guy. Yeah, it was he, really hard for me not to just burst into a dog impression. Just your sinus infected dog impression. I, I, I was this close to going to get my dog and forcing him to bark into my microphone. Yeah, that, that, that's a pretty good dog impression. <laughs> uh, I'm afraid to go full bore, though. I you were the... going to actually bark, but it's sort of like a... <laughs> Timid dog. Oh, I've got I've got some really good ones, but I'm afraid, especially with my my current cold, that I could. That's on the Patreon. If you sub to the Patreon, yeah, three <laughs> unstopped hours of pack can, Different dogs, different breeds, just uncontainable dog levels from Traylon Burks. Devastated Adjusting to life Burks isn't playing. That's, yeah, what, that's a real shame. Adjusting to life without Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers welcome the Bucks to town along with a shockingly low total of 37 and a half. Denny, we'll begin with the Niners. We've already talked about it a lot this week. What is the fallout in the 49ers passing game from the transition from Jimmy Garoppolo to Brock Purdy? Yeah, every time you say Brock Purdy, I think of his nickname. Don't look it up, folks. Um, But um, look, uh, this is good. This is good for Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. I I will say that. I'm not sure about Kittle and uh, Ayuk, but uh, last week, both Debo and CMC saw 10 targets. Debo had a 6.3 a dot against Miami. Pretty typical Debo uh, stuff. Also, Debo hadn't seen 10 targets uh, this season, uh, uh, since last uh, since I'm sorry since week six against Atlanta. Okay, so it's been a long time since we've seen that sort of volume for Debo Samuel. Good to see if you if you drafted him and kind of been uh, getting through the wide receiver three season for Debo. Um, Purdy had the lowest a dot 5.4 of any quarterback in week 13. I think that that. Uh, should tell us that these these short area targets should you know continue. I mean CMC's PPR prospects it just becomes a complete cheat code at this point. I think only one of Purdy's 37 attempts last week went over 20 yards downfield. Uh, we're gonna lots of dinking and dunking. You're starting Debo confidently. I did see nine targets, so you know he's not completely phased out. I don't know what to say about Kittle, man. I, I actually would like. I would start like Dulcich over Kittle. 
So I, I don't even know why I wrote this question down and didn't just answer it. I was going to ask Kyle if we trust SF to keep feeding CMC. And yeah, there's just no reason that they wouldn't do that. Yeah. Although, I mean, I mean, he is the ultimate challenge accepted coach. We thought that already wow. before Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. And then he did stop feeding CMC for like two games. Yeah. But, I mean, since, since the second game, cause you don't count the first game where he stayed in the Stanford apartments or whatever and showed up and should Friday have Friday. easily been able to play hundred percent of the snaps. <laughs> no, no, you don't count that game <laughs> since the following game. He is the number one running back in total expected fantasy points. He's also number one running back in receiving expected fantasy points. He was in fact, the number one running back expected fantasy points last week with eight targets certainly helps. And that ain't going nowhere. So, I mean, if they had like, Elijah Mitchell, I would always be a little more concerned that a running back truly pitches in to at least make the carries 50-50. It's still going to happen. but It, it was, didn't happen last week. They gave Jordan Mason like eight yeah. carries to CMC's 17. But it, it's always that. weird, though, when it's like an in-game, like ad hoc kind of adjustment. Now, when, well, when Shannon was last him. week, it wasn't in-game. Well, when Shannon has like a week, though, to go like big brain, like we lost our quarterback. Got to get Jordan Mason in there. He's just dreaming about it, I'm sure. Or maybe even Tevin Coleman. <clears throat> He's just dreaming about it. <laughs> dreaming. But anyways, uh, well, one thing I would note is, um, you know, in addition to coming off a season high snap share this week, McCaffrey, like Elijah Mitchell came back. Right. And and made it more of a split. But that week that I noted, that's the only week with a higher route rate than what Ramondre Stevenson just had was week 11. That was one of the Elijah Mitchell weeks. And McCaffrey ran around on 93 percent of dropbacks. So in terms of like being a part of the passing game, that part never went away, even when yeah, Eli yeah. Mitchell was being involved. So if the if like the whole play here is reliant or very much powered by the fact that he's going to be this PPR cheat code, like I, I don't think that even Shanahan will galaxy brain his way off that. Yeah, I mean, it's the difference between right now, the role we saw last week, he is the runaway RB1. I really don't think he could rank anyone else ahead of him. And if we saw Jordan Mason truly become Eli Mitchell and split 50-50, you could still tell me he's RB1. I really wouldn't bother to to argue with it. You said it's the difference. I, was, I thought you were saying it's the difference between right and wrong. Just do the right I'd thing. I'd argue Shannon. that's a good also way to frame it, though. It would be wrong for Jordan Mason to see 16 carries, assuming McCaffrey doesn't see 30. I just I can't even imagine the kind of thoughts that go through Kyle Shannon's head, though. Like, we're on the we're on the backup quarterback. Yeah, we don't want Christian to wear down. Like, I will say, I Col- said this last week. I said it last week, and you'll never believe how right I was. First touchdown, Kyle Juszczyk, Alex Ingold getting involved as well. I told you these two coaches wanted to use their fullbacks when they face each other. And guess what they did? They used their fullbacks. But I I almost just started crying actually thinking about George Kittle. How did this happen? Uh, He's done, yeah. How did this happen to a man that can have a 180-yard game? He can just like roll out of bed and have a 180-yard game. And this is how they use the He's going to block good, though. He's going to block real good. He's going to block the hell out of it. Uh, I'm, you know, him and Pitts. I think it's uh, a cautionary tale moving forward about like how a tight end is going to be used. Pitts, you know, jumped off the screen in every metric, but didn't didn't do much for us. Kittle's going to play every the yards snap. and touchdowns metrics. Those those metrics weren't so good. Those, yes. <laughs> Kittle's going to play every snap this year when he's healthy. He's going to have 427 yards at the end of the year, and he'll still be the number one tight end in yards per route run. And no one will understand. Our greatest scientists will not get behind. <laughs> They will not. Crane, what's going on with the Bucks receivers? It seems like Chris Godwin has moved ahead of Mike Evans from a usage perspective. Julio Jones kind of just hanging around as the number three. It, it, has Chris Godwin actually moved beyond Mike Evans? Mike Evans has looked very tired the past few weeks. Or, or Mike Evans and Tom Brady is overdue to finally like kind of heat up their downfield connection. They actually almost did it one play against the Saints, I believe. But they couldn't quite hook up. 
I think Godwin has moved ahead uh, on the season. Evans has slightly higher uh, target volume uh, per route. Um, and, and he's still a deep threat. He's still the same guy, 14.1 ADOT. But his target rate of 19% is pretty unimpressive. And I do not think this is a great matchup to be targeting downfield receivers. Uh, the Buccaneers have been very – well, I shouldn't say very, but they've been clearly run first on first down. And their running game's bad. So they're just sort of burning first downs, which are very valuable downs. And it's, I think, setting up the offense very, very poorly. And it's, uh, you know, probably one of the reasons why the Buccaneers only really look good when they're in game-winning drive situations. Because those are the situations where they can't run their offense the way they would like to, which is a bad way to run an offense. So uh, I just, I don't have really much faith in what they're going to do. They have a team total that's lower than the Broncos this week. 17 implied team total lower than the Broncos. That seems I mean, a bit is, excessive. Well, you know, I'm, I, I, I don't think have Vegas has the lost their mind here. <laughs> seems yeah. a bit excessive. By the way, it's just kind of like Todd Bowles just like refuses to cut, I don't know, maybe the greatest player in league history loose. Where they, it's like they finally had to go into Brady comeback mode and he instantly wins the game. He, like, he instantly moves the ball at will. They moved yeah, the ball well. It, it wasn't even a contest. They, they looked like they could have scored 37 points in that game yeah. if they just would have done that. They, this is the most poorly run offense in the NFL. It Maybe, like, don't ice out the coach that you won a Super Bowl with. I don't know. Does that seem like a I do think Tom like Brady was the one who did that, though. That's what I'm saying. No, that's what, yeah. That's what, that's saying. what I'm yeah, saying. Like, don't ice out the coach because then <laughs> you might have a different coach yeah. who doesn't run the offense very well. Be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Denny Crane uh, alluded to the. Or you, let me finish just note, up, Pat. Yeah, I just want to note on Godwin. Uh, his A dot is down to six point one, which is not just Damn. a career low, but like crazy, crazy low. I mean, it's like I don't know, like I think lower than like Cole Beasley. It's like Hunter Renfro <laughs> level. I mean, that's and that's kind of what he is. Just like an underneath dump off guy. He's not getting open. He rates very poorly in uh, ESPN's open score. Uh, his lowest last, so he had a 7.6 eight out last year, which was at that time a career low. He'd never been below 10 before that. I feel like this may be a sign, you know, Brady has not played very well this year. I still think you should have him pass instead of running it, but you know, it's probably a sign of maybe some decline from Brady, but also not a great sign for Godwin coming off this ACL. We have lost Patrick Crane, which is a good time to ask Denny then about the Bucks backfield. Uh, he alluded to it. He said it's not good. I feel like it was maybe uh, a bit harsh. No, it's um, horrible. Do you, what? Rashad White's good. No, Rashad White's not good. And, uh, and, uh, no, no, no. No, no, no. He's, no, he's not. It's terrible. It's, it, he's he's one of the least efficient running backs in the NFL. And and Leonard Fournette's not even not not better. He's worse. So uh, they should never run the ball. Is what I'm saying. Uh, and, I agree. and yeah. unfortunately, they they will. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty ugly split. Uh, Uncle Lenny saw 10 carries to nine for Rashad White last week against the Saints. Uh, Fournette ran ran more routes by a pretty good margin, but Rashad White saw seven targets, uh, which was one more target than Leonard Fournette. Um, and wow. sorry, just got to uh, very, very pained to say that one, yeah. one more Stern target father reprimanding the... Leonard. What, what, what were their what were their split on game winning catches? Uh, 1-0, 1-0. Uh, so Rashad White did, did get that. Um, analytics. 
I, I have to say, I, I saw Rashad White interviewed after the game. They said, how are you feeling? We got to catch in a, a game-winning touchdown on Monday night from Tom Brady. He goes, man, I'm honestly, I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> you know why? He got that dog in him. Yeah, he, he does have some dog. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess you could start both if you're, you know, if you have them, you're probably starting. Denny, there are six teams on by. Yeah. I would say both are in the yeah, – maybe, so honestly, even start, But it's a, it's a horrible spot. I mean, I would feel better about Rashad White, I think, in, a, in this kind of atmosphere. I mean, hopefully – I don't think that we can have any hope because Byron left, which seems really uh, uh, intent on establishing it. Um, and, and so, but if they do go run heavy, uh, pass heavy, that should be good for white. It's a horrible spot, but I'm not so sure Brock Purdy is going to really be moving the 49ers offense against what remains a pretty solid bucks defense. And maybe at least the play volume will be really high for the bucks. And we get maybe. a lot of touches from both backs. I don't know. I mean, yeah, you shouldn't really be wanting to play them, but you're going to have to. Because there are six teams on by. Kyle Dvorak, the Chiefs get a road reset opportunity against the pathetic Denver Broncos. Give us the lay of the land in Denver. Uh, Well, in Denver permanently is one of the worst offenses, not just in the NFL. They are literally the worst offense by points per game. But they also, if they keep this pace up, will go down as one of the 20 worst offenses in just points per game scored since the year 2000. So I would not be playing Latavius Murray no matter how what percent of the touches he gets. It is bar none the worst offense. The Texans, better. The Rams, maybe better. You know, they've at least had a quarterback bolstering their stats early in the year. But they can't be that much worse. Literally, Broncos are one of the worst offenses in the past 20-some-odd years. So wouldn't play Latavius. Cortland Sutton is very unlikely to play. Really would even be hard-pressed to find that as a reason to play Jerry Judy. Uh, he'll see a lot of targets, but it's not like tight end, where Greg Dulcich is the one exception I will make. They're using him like a receiver. They've talked about that, and as ADOT reflects that, it's tight end. It's a bad position. I'm comfortable playing him as a tight end one. But that tells you more about his position than it does for Jerry Judy, who his position has playable players. I, he maybe is playable without Cortland Sutton, but that feels like a bit of a stretch. I, honestly, it's Greg Dulcich, and then you move on. Other side of the ball, Chiefs have had a 4% pass rate over expected since week 11. It's only a three-game sample, but they were at 14 to start the year. I do believe some of that is matchup-based. They've played really bad run defenses in that span, the Bengals and the Chargers. But the fact that they're a little more willing to ebb and flow with their opponents is not as much what we saw early in the year. So maybe they are at least trying to counter their opponents. But honestly, the best counter is just letting Mahomes drop back 50 times. Why why would you? I I get that the Chargers or the Bengals are not great run defenses, right? But they're they're facing Patrick Mahomes. They're going to look like bad bad pass defenses. Chiefs, uh, they went less pass heavy when they played L.A., who are a great uh, the other L.A. team, the Rams, uh, less pass heavy or less run heavy, excuse me, in that game because the Rams good run defense unfortunately this week the denver they're not like a bad bad run defense but they're 18th in epa per play and they're a top five epa per play team against the pass so maybe for chief standards we do see a more balanced game script i would frankly still project that like four to five percent pass rate over expected but it's not quite the same team at least on a small sample that we saw early in the year and as far as the receivers go it looks like it's back to normal juju got back up to an 80 percent route rate this past week before that, he was hardly running routes in his first game back from a pretty brutal concussion. I think we're past that, and it is the standard, unless we get Katerius Tony back this week, but even then, he probably is just that third tertiary-type option. It is the standard. MVS runs 80% routes. Juju runs 80% routes. And then they have a third guy who's really not predictable. 
God, I think you basically described a game where the Chiefs cover nine and a half, but they don't do it to like the final five minutes of the game. And it does feel like a game they're kind of just going to slog through, especially since it's on the road. And that it's final kind of- touchdown goes to Noah Gray. You're sitting there. Exactly. You're trying to make the playoffs. You've got, you know, you've got Juju, right? He's running all the routes again. He's six for 60 and no touchdowns. Come on, just get one in. That's all I need. And, you know, Jody Fortson goes out and catches <laughs> uh, catches a pass from Noah Gray, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from Noah Gray. I'm a little bit more bullish on this game just because, like, I do feel like we know where the targets are going a little bit more. Like, you know, your Juju point, he's back up. Like, we at least have, like, one guy we feel okay about on the Chiefs side in the terms of the wide receivers. And then, like, if you're not starting Jerry Judy in the spot, like, why have you been holding him? You should have been holding him. That's the answer. You should not have been holding him. But I I think this is a fine spot to start Jerry Judy. I think he's like a solid-ish flex. Like, the thing that's interesting about him is that his ADOT is higher than Cortland Sutton's this season. So, you think about... Sutton is... He's he's washed, unfortunately. He's one of those guys who was all physicality before he got hurt. Kind of one of those guys who couldn't afford to lose a step or two. I think playing ACL. for the worst offense in the NFL may have contributed. Not to That's not looking good. Not helping. Yeah. But I do think like if you're, if you're taking out deep routes from Sutton, you actually like Jerry Judy is a guy who can help replace those. He's been running downfield this year and you know, Greg Dulcich as well. I think Greg Dulcich is like a pretty solid start here with Sutton now. What a surprise. Yeah, I know. I, am, I really I like the Greg he, Dulcich. He, he is. He's top eight this week. For sure. So we are you talking we have two startable Broncos this week? We do. That's a lot of Broncos. I disagree that we have two. I flat out disagree. Really? Well, Jerry you, Judy startable. Come on. You guys hear startable well, short. One of Denny and I's galaxy brains, we may have taken the over on Russell Wilson's zero point five passing touchdowns, by the way. Hammering um, the over. Yeah, hammering the over. Some of us may even said he might throw two touchdowns. So it's going to be a real, real big week. For wow. Because, did we mention, yeah. Did we mention Latavius Murray? Do we need to? I didn't. I said you don't play him because he's a member of the Broncos. Yeah, that, that works. Oh, I'm, I'm, well, a, I'm in agreement there. I don't I don't get the Latavius hate. He plays every snap. He gets all the touches. Who cares? He plays for the he Broncos. He actually didn't play. He didn't play every snap. He was down no, about, he didn't I think, play every snap. He's a little Mike Boone. Boone. The man but, Michael oh, Boone. Mike, Mike Boone is a myth. Come on. But I mean, it, you can't lose 25% of the snaps if you're Latavius Murray. That's you're done. Absolutely. Like you already stink. You're already on the Broncos. Wow. Man, tough scene. Six yeah. teams on by. There are six teams on by. Yeah, I mean, he's easily a top 30 back, Pat. I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, week. you can start Latavius Murray this week. Just know I really pray for your three and nine team or whatever you're at. Good hey, luck. Wow, yeah. dude. Nice. Too real. Crane, the Panthers and Seahawks are meeting up in Seattle. This is a down low, good game. The Panthers have looked a lot feistier since they fired Matt Rule. Uh, the, the Seahawks do not play with good defense. What, what's the lay of the land here? Nope, not a good game. You've been broken by the six teams on by. Yeah. Uh, this game's not good at all. Uh, no, it, I mean, it's whatever. Uh, Darnold, he was pretty solid last week. Ugh, but Mike. I hate, uh, don't usually have to cut Crane's mic, but cut his mic. Um, look, I mean, he was pretty solid last week. But, but the, the <laughs> Panthers coaches they did not trust it. You know, to their to their credit, they went with a season low minus twenty three percent pass rate over expected oh, on first God. down. This is that's how you that you really hide a quarterback. I mean, this is borderline <laughs> Malik Willis level kind of. We're not oh, passing it. Twenty one percent overall pass rate over expected. That actually isn't their lowest of the season. I watched this game so I can at least I watched the game he was referencing. Darnold, like you said, played well-ish, right? A lot of emphasis on the ish. 
and they were hiding. They were clearly hiding him. I think you're fine enough playing Deonta Foreman this week. He's still dominating the work, but and he runs a decent amount of the routes, but he just doesn't get targeted when he runs routes. That's just not what he does. So you are kind of sweating out the touchdown or the long run. Danny, I think you had some sicko opinions on the Seahawks backfield where Ken Walker appears to be out with an ankle injury. DJ DJ Dallas, I think, is also going to be out with an ankle injury. Kind of comes down to Travis Homer and Tony Jones. Tony Jones looked like he did not belong on an (laughs) NFL field last week. Um, Right. What's our sicko opinion on the Seahawks backfield? Uh, the, I don't think, you know, I don't think you're paying, playing any of them with confidence if Walker's out, but I, I do think that DJ Dallas would be the top option. Because I think he's not play, though. This is my he, early league. He did. I do not believe he practiced a start. He did not league. practice on Wednesday. No. And he, right. the only reason he even played through his injury last week is because they didn't have Travis Homer active knee and illness. Right. I'm not sure which one is the one kept him out. And then Ken Walker gets hurt. He gets listed as doubtful in place. Who plays through well, doubtful? I'll it's tell you who. Yeah. It's the guy who's Tony Jones is going in if he cannot come back. Ken Walker got hurt. And then Tony Jones basically got like a concussion evaluation, like right after they announced DJ Dallas is doubtful. So they're not going to make Ken Walker play through a questionable tag, but they'll make DJ Dallas play through a doubtful tag is kind of what happened there. Look, if you're thinking about playing one of these guys, play Latavius Murray. Yeah, oh, man. I agree. Is, man. I play Travis Homer over him. I'll no, that's just not correct. <laughs> Play the tape. Totally disagree. He's going against the Chiefs and catch a couple dump offs. Latavius is mm. terrible, but so all of a sudden you're he's... Latavius stand. You 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 disappear from the stream and come back a Latavius stand. <laughs> uh, I, I know the whole time. Oh my God, I know you. it's uh, a lot of people listening to this on podcast stuff, but you did briefly disappear from the stream and you have a Latavius Murray Broncos jersey on. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, very curious. curious. It is very um, very very curious. Yeah, my internet's really been acting up today. I don't know if I uh, should jump back in on the. Panthers passing game, if you guys will allow that. But uh, briefly, I did want to mention that DJ Moore, I think, also very solid. I mean, I might even call him a wide receiver three, not even a flex, just (laughs) throw him in the old regular wide receiver spot. Uh, Leads the NFL, leads the NFL with a 45% air yard share. Uh, You know, could be also, I believe, yeah, I don't think he's cleared six targets in like over a month. Air yards, uh, though, the, the hey, targets yeah. travel far. No, 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 just hot. air yard share, too, not actual. Air yeah, air air share. Right. the actual air 45% of the Panthers' air yards is 29 yards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? yeah, he hasn't cleared six targets since week eight. Uh, um, yikes, so. And Patrick is frozen again. It's a good time to move on to Bengals Browns. The Browns arrive in Cleveland as nearly touchdown underdogs against the ascending Browns. I don't know why I wrote that. They're, they're not ascending. No, uh, oh, the, I meant the ascending Bengals hey, is what I meant to write. Hey, yeah. Yeah. I'm Ron Burgundy, question mark. Kyle, it was a rough return for Deshaun Watson in week 13. Are we kind of just throwing that game in the trash can? You know, Hadn't played in two years. Hostile environment. Uh, not fun to talk about, et cetera, et cetera. Was it a hostile environment? I know I heard there were boos and whatnot, but like, were there more than 50 people there? They were accused of pumping in uh, artificial boos. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I did. I did see that. And look, I I wouldn't shock me if they did that, but that really shouldn't, uh, shouldn't rattle a professional quarterback paid many, many dozens of millions of dollars to hear a few speakers yell boo. And we saw last week with Sean Watson, it was, Literally his worst game ever by some metrics. It was his worst start in his career at a 3.9 adjusted yards per attempt. His passing yards were the second worst in a start. And the Browns, I think this is both game planned and probably 
in-game responding to how bad Watson was playing, had a negative 17% pass rate over expected. They are a run-first team, obviously, and they they maybe even will. They probably will be so, frankly, with Deshaun Watson, but that is still a crazy number. And this week, I know, like, yeah, it was probably, I mean, it was literally Deshaun Watson's worst career game ever. I don't expect that to be the Watson we see going forward. But in a spot where teams have universally decided to run against the Bengals, they're, I believe, top six in run rate over expected, bottom six in pass rate over expected face. Teams generally do see their weak run defense and choose to exploit them that way. The Browns did the last time they played them, a negative 15% pass rate over expected. I think at a minimum, you know, Watson bounces back by efficiency because he can't get lower. But I'm not sure the volume really takes a tick up in terms of the overall split of the run in the past. In this game, the Browns are run first team, but the quarterback is struggling in his first game, and they face a run funnel opponent. It doesn't take much to put these puzzle pieces together. Yeah, it seems like it's going to take a while for them to settle on a new offensive identity because 11 games with Jacoby Brissett, they they had a formula going. It was working more more often than you would expect. And now this is kind of all about, I guess, probably figuring figuring out their offense for 2023 at this point. If I could do something we never do on the show and recommend that folks try to, you know, go out and get the Bengals defense this week. Uh, if you're, if you're hard up for, for a streamer, because if the Browns are forced to throw, if they can't do what Kyle said, they want to do obviously and establish it, they're going to have to drop back a lot. The Bengals have been really stingy through the air recently. Uh, second lowest rate of positive pass plays this season um, and they're getting good pressure on the passer week in and week out. So I, Watson and the passing game is gonna, are going to be in a world of hurt. I think the Bengals' defense is pretty pretty sneaky. Uh, yeah, this is the first ever streaming defense recommendation on the show. We should maybe do that more often. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking we might be losing that position. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> I think these uh, coming for, for defenses got kickers out of most leagues. Well, the first time the Browns and Bengals played, it was kind of like a shocking exposure for the Bengals. It was their first game without Jamar Chase. The offense, passing attack just looked totally discombobulated. People were truthing Joe Burrow, like, oh, it turns out it was Jamar Chase after all. Uh, <laughs> what about that? What do you guys think? And then Joe Burrow immediately settled in and played really good football yeah. until Jamar Chase returned last week. Do we see anything interesting with the Bengals receiver usage of Chase back? He immediately re- resumed alpha duties, I know. Uh, what do we see with the Bengals receivers and Jamar Chase's return? Yeah, shockingly, uh, as someone who may have sacked a little bit of this game in DFS, it wasn't the super high-scoring, super pass-heavy affair we saw. So, you know, the, the volume overall was depressed, but his eight targets, his 67 air yards, both led the team, took the field for 82% of their snaps, a 797 line. He was the chase of old. It just wasn't a 360-yard burrow game, so it didn't expand upon that pie. But I think it's very clear he came back and immediately is the alpha, both in terms of his talent, which is clear, but also they did not limit his role in any way, really. So it's it's chase top five season again. It really, I put him back in the top five and maybe speaks to the virtue of just hold a player out a week longer than you think you should. So many times yeah. they rush them back and the practice reports for chase just were not great in week 12. I think he was still kind of like limping a little bit, even though they wanted him to return that week, they held him out an extra week. And then he looks like Jamar chase in week 13. Maybe just let your players get healthy. And yeah, I don't know why I'm so obsessed with the notion. Like I, it just always annoyed me so much when the Bengals have two number one receivers. <laughs> Isn't that kind of crazy yeah, guys? Pretty cool. And but this then they don't though because uh, they have a number one chase. receiver like in the NFL like a top five number one receiver and then they have another receiver who would be the number one receiver on a lot of teams he won't yeah. be the number one receiver on the Bengals 
I just thought about T. Higgins on the Chargers and got really sad that he's not he, on the Chargers. Oh, baby. He would be the number one by oh. a country mile on that yeah. team. Yeah. I really, 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 really wish he was on the Chargers. Denny, do we expect a normal workload for Joe Mixon, who kind of had a slower than expected return from his concussion? It seemed like he was going to play in week 13. Speaking of extra weeks, he got an extra week to heal up. Yeah. He has been cleared for week 14. What do we expect between Joe Mixon and Samaji P. Ryan? Well, uh, Mixon has two things working against him. Maybe three. He has the brain, the brain injury, of course. Uh, Samaji P. Ryan has been really good, like one of the best running backs in the NFL. Nearing a mic cut. Nearing a mic cut. What? He has been. If you <laughs> look at like all not fun, though. The, the peripherals, he has massive levels of dog, too. He does have a lot of dog levels. Huge that actually dog. I mean, that guy humiliates defenders, and he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't even make a big deal out of it. He just, like, runs you over and then goes back to the huddle. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty, that is uncontainable dog levels. Yeah, <laughs> crazy dog. Uh, so maybe P. Ryan has carved out something of a role for himself in Mixon's absence. Maybe they're going to uh, ease Mixon back in. Also, Chase is back, and Mixon's role really shifted with, with Chase out. Chase had, I'm sorry, um, Mixon had his monster, what was a five touchdown game with, uh, you know, with Chase out of the lineup. Uh, if you look down, his uh, his target share um, really spiked in most of the weeks that, that Chase was out with that hip injury. So Chase back, Samaj P. Ryan showing what he could do, Mixon's brain injury. It's all It all says to me, to answer your question, no, I don't think that he will have a big workload uh, coming into this week. Man, the Zoomers will never believe that Joe Mixon had a five touchdown game. And they kind of alluded to this, by the way, in like their comments this week, where the, the Bengals media was kind of prodding Joe Mixon, like, you think Samaji Piran will remain more involved? And I think he was like bristling a little, but then kind of admitting that he was going to. Um, I, I don't really see how they can just say, all right, Samaji, you're. You're back on the bench. Uh, we're I don't know they did it for the first 12 weeks. Yeah, I mean, once the fur starts to fly, a lot of times, you know, they just kind of fall back into their old habits. But maybe it, be, it, it is a, a week 14 storyline to keep track of. Denny, uh, last game, Texans, yeah. Cowboys, 17 and a half point favorites for Dallas, the biggest spread right. of the entire year. Uh, I, I, from my note, will the Cowboys entertain us? Or are they just going to do like the brick wall thing, like where like even like Malik Davis gets ten carries? What's going right. on? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you know, obviously Pollard is an elite play. Ezekiel Elliott. This is the last time we'll be able to say this ever in Ezekiel Elliott's career. He is an elite play against this Houston defense, uh, and uh, and so you have to keep going down the line. Is Malik Davis an elite play? <laughs> against this Houston defense because they're going to run it so much. The Texans are like the sec. There's the second most extreme run funnel defense in the NFL. The Cowboys since Dak has been back have really leaned on the run against bad, uh, uh, you know, bad rush defenses. And with the lead, there are hundred point favorites here, give or take, you know, I, I just, I look, you, you're starting CD lamb. You're starting, I think, I had this question on the stream on my Tuesday stream. Do I start Dak or do I, do I go with someone like Trevor Lawrence or Ryan Tannehill? Uh, you start, you start Dak and you hope he gets there before things get really out of hand. Okay. And that didn't work out with Tua, by the way, the, the, a few weeks ago against the Texans did not, you know, you started him, he got, I don't know, 11 points and then he got pulled. So that can happen here, but I, th- I still think you're starting Dak. Uh, but so you kind of mentioned like the Dak conundrum. I know. So I looked up with CD lamb like they're having so many of these games where they're huge favorites. They're blowing teams out. The Cowboys have won by, by more than one score six times. 
And CeeDee Lamb has posted more than eight targets only one time in those games. Right. Like, just not getting the volume in these games that aren't close. And he is a floor play. He's getting like his five catchers for 70 yards in almost every one of these games. He did that against the Colts in the 54-19 victory. But with CeeDee Lamb, even though it's just like a total eruption spot, you're basically just banking on floor, I would have to say. Yeah, that that that's what it is here. Also, Brandon Cooks uh, reportedly will not play this week against Dallas. Yeah, Kyle, uh, catch us up on the – because you seem to have the dope on the, the Texans receivers. Yeah, they're not going to be good. It's going to be ugly because Nico Collins back-to-back DNPs doesn't look like he's going to play with a foot issue. Obviously, Brandon Cooks, as Denny said, ruled out. I mean, Philip Philip Dorsett actually led the team in routes last week, but Chris Moore was the one seeing more work of him and Philip Dorsett. I mean, they're both like mega cheap on DraftKings. You can play them there, but it's like the thing I said about Latavius Murray in that if you are looking this deep for these players, pack it up. You don't need to. You don't need such a lineup this week. It's fine. <laughs> you almost sent me into a coughing fit. Uh, I mean, that seems a little morbid. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're telling me you believe someone starting Philip Dorsett this week has a chance to be a successful fantasy uh, football no, no. playoff team. Not in, not in redraft, no. What, I mean, what about DFA? Are we getting sick? Are we getting sick? Yeah, they're like 3K and 3,400. So you could start them. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you guys are both, just be real, you're going to both have Chris Moore and Philip Dorsett in DFS. Like Absolutely. That, uh, I already yeah, have gonna, one Chris Moore lineup actually made. Uh, that's not yeah, a good I'm going to have more a lot. Yeah. You're fired. Both of you. Crane um, has been fired. Apparently, he's gone from the podcast. He's been big Latavius got to him. Uh, <laughs> they, they whisked him out of his apartment. I, I've he, never wanted a player to go off more than I want Latavius Murray to go off this year. Crane, <laughs> he seems like he's in, a lot of, he's in a lot of trouble. He came at the wrong running back, so he's not here to finish the show. But check out Patrick Crane's walkthrough, which drops every Friday. Check out his chat. Uh, 1 p.m. Eastern on Friday with Kyle Dvorak, right, Kyle? Yes, sir. Denny, your, your funnels thing? A funnel thing. Right? It'll, be up, it'll be up on the website, NBCSportsEdge.com, tomorrow. Kyle has his 32 stats. I have my rankings. We have all of our podcasts from this week. A lot of good stuff. Uh, keep it locked to the, news for, to the website for news. A lot of big injury week. Uh, so for the absent Patrick Rain, for Kyle Dvorak, for Denny Carter, I'm Patrick Doherty. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back later. You have a vision for your business. Your priority might be to expand facilities or bring in the best talent. At Century Insurance, we listen, learn, and work to understand your business and your plans to help protect your new locations. As your business evolves and your vision comes true, Century, right by you. Property and casualty coverages are underwritten and safety services are provided by a member of the Century Insurance Group, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. For a complete listing of companies, visit Century.com. Policies, coverages, benefits, and discounts are not available in all states. See policy for complete coverage details.